sports science, strength and conditioning, high performance coaching. Welcome to the Decoding Excellence Show. Hey everybody, it's your host Adam Ringler and today for this episode, rather than advertising for some sport performance technology company about whatever latest gizmo that they may have, I wanna remind you of two things. Number one, I have a monthly newsletter that goes out chocked full of great research articles, interesting tidbits, quotes, books I'm reading, things I'm finding fascinating. It is essentially the birch box of newsletters. You don't know exactly what you're gonna get week to week, month to month, but what you can guarantee is that it's gonna be chock full of good things. Head over to adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. Pop in your email and sign up today. You will not regret it. And I won't spam you with 8 million different uh, emails You know, every week, every day, every month. So check it out, adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. Secondly, I get emails and messages every single publication talking about How can we support the Decoding Excellence show and the mission that you're bringing to us? And the easiest way is buy me a coffee. No, don't actually physically buy me a coffee. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. And there you can find in an easy donation way, you can pop in your your information and you could essentially buy the show a coffee, a $5 latte, if you will. And what we'll do with that is those proceeds from that donation will go immediately into the hosting fees for both the website and the Decoding Excellence show. So we can continue to bring the show to you via iTunes, Spotify, whatever podcast player of your choice. So check it out, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the Decoding Excellence Show. I'm your host, Adam Ringler. And on this episode, we are going to be discussing some of the things that I am doing to try to bring out more productivity in my day. And it starts with my smartphone. I am decreasing the applications and my reliance on this addictive technology. And there are some helpful tips and tricks that I have learned through a number of different books that I've read recently that will help you too. So stick around, listen to this episode, and I think you'll take a lot away from the productivity tips of removing yourself from the addiction that is your smartphone. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Decoding Excellence Show. We have a fantastic show for you and it's chock full of really good tips that you can apply immediately. I'm excited to bring this show to you because I think it is really important, especially in the modern hyper-connective digital world that we live in today. It may seem counterintuitive because so much of what I do is on the digital mediums of the internet. Right, whether it's the website or the Decoding Excellence show or if you follow me on Twitter or anywhere else, uh, the socials that I may have or whatever, doesn't really matter, uh, then you would assume that I'm going to be very pro-social media. I'm going to be very pro-sharing uh, information online and uh, you know the production and the consumption of that information. And I think these tools can be very valuable tools, number one, right? Uh, But they do have an unintended downside, a consequence of using them. So what I have uh, wanted to sort of, I I jot some notes down on this uh, Decoding Excellence show 
this random show is I wanted to discuss a little bit about those unintended consequences. And I know the show intro talked a, a lot about the addiction of uh, not, not only social media, but these devices that we so commonly hold in our hands, right? Your iPhone or your Android device or whatever it may be. But these are devices that, uh, that have a lot of uh, addictive qualities to them, right? Whether it's social media or the phone itself. And we need to recognize and realize that we live in a society where <laughs> these devices are ambiguous with our day-to-day uh, workflows, right? They are a part of our lives. In some respects, you know, there's people that will literally fall asleep with their phone in their hand, and that's the first thing that they see when they wake up in the mornings. And we all have a job to do. I completely understand, and we res- recognize that these devices bring a lot of value. They bring a lot of good. A hyper-connectivity world, right? Uh, the literally amounts of information that is available at our fingertips has never been as accessible as it is now um, in the world that we live in. So there are a lot of benefits that these things bring to us, but there also are some of those unintended consequences, right? Those downsides of living in a hyperconnective world, living with these devices. And I've read a a number of books recently that sort of led me down this rabbit hole of really wanting to change some of the behaviors that I have with these devices, and two of which happen to be Cal Newport's new book, Digital Minimalism, and a second book uh, called, man, why am I forgetting it? It's uh, Irresistible, The Rise of Addictive Technology and the Business of Keeping Us Hooked by Adam Autcher, a really great book. Came out in 2017 and is true today. One of the the things that they talk about in uh, sort of both of these books is that these products are engineered to be addictive, right? Because your attention is the medium of which that they're trying to capture, right? Because a more captured uh, attention on their devices, the more people spend on it, literally you are the product, um, whether it's harvesting information or metadata or anything like this, depending on what device you use and their level of privacy or concern for privacy. But nonetheless, we are the product, right? And our attention is the product in which they're vying for, right? Attention to bring your consumer dollars to their ad store or to their iTunes or into their app store, whatever it might be, right? So we need to first recognize that we are, a, are literally our attention. We, one, one person is going up against an army of engineers and product designers that is literally painstakingly looking to optimize and produce the most slick and and perfect app for the user experience so that our attention is uh, literally focused on this one thing. So with that, there comes those unintended consequences, right? And that is that we are so hyper-focused with these applications and with our phones that as a consequence, we miss on all of those moments that we could be focused on our relationships, our communication with our families, our communication with our coworkers, communication with our loved ones, whoever it might be. And uh, some of the, the the strategies in which I've adopted through this book is, uh, is a few here, right? And I'll, I'll walk through them. Is that number one, and I think I might have said this on a different Decoding Excellence show or, or online via Twitter, is that I almost exclusively gray screen or grayscale out my phone, right? And I do this so that I don't see 
the bold, rich colors that pop out. And, uh, and there's been some really good research that has come out of a couple of universities that talk about sort of our attention and what color stimulates our attention. And there's a reason that, you know, notifications, you know, pop out in red because that's a, that from an evolutionary standpoint, it seems like there's um, some decent research that suggests that that red, whether it's blood or, or uh, a signal, captures our attention. So notifications typically pop out red. And what by grayscaling out our phone, uh, I remove that sort of trigger. I remove that signal so that I can passively respond to those notifications when I choose. It's one way of sort of breaking the addiction, if you will. So the way that I do this is I go through uh, general and then I go into my accessibility. And then towards the bottom, there should be um, there should be a setting essentially that allows for you to go in. I think it's display accommodations. And I go in here and I can set up color filters. And I have set the grayscale color filter up so that anytime, uh, and I, I, I also have set up a shortcut, an accessibility shortcut on my home screen so that anytime I triple click my little home button, I can toggle from uh, full scale, right? Color notifications, everything. I can see Slack notifications right now staring at me with two notifications to triple clicking it and then having everything go dull. And, uh, and I do that so that I can obviously break the visual uh, component of what those notifications bring. So that is one thing that I've, I've played around with and have adopted probably the last uh, two years or so. The second thing that I've done is that I, I, I heard about Ariana Huffington talk about shifting and, and rotating and randomizing the application so that we don't get into this lull sort of habit of just sort of browse, 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 swipe, 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 go to this application, swipe to the next application. At least by randomizing those applications, you sort of have to search for them. You have to, you know, have a level of intent to go out and actually seek out the application that you're looking for. Uh, but I've sort of taken it a step further. I have literally, uh, my home screen is completely blank. I have four icons at the very bottom of my um, home bar and going from right to left, I have my, uh, two notification. I have my two first and foremost apps are my phone app and my message app. Those are things I, I actively will use on a data basis. Right. So, and I look at that as sort of pushing, right. I can push communication to people. I can be actively involved in that. Right. And there's some level where, you know, there's some pull notifications. If I get a message, I will check it. Right. So those two are sort of, at least in my mind, sort of neutral, if you will. I also have my third icon from the right is Slack. And I use that for most of my work correspondence with our team and, and interns and uh, support staff, things like that. So I will have, uh, you know, Messenger, phone, Slack. And then my fourth application in my home screen or home bar or doc, whatever we might want to call it, is a folder that contains every single application I have. And, uh, and this allows for me to be very sort of mindful that, uh, what app I'm searching for. So now there's a level of, uh, I'm not, when I look at my home screen, I look at my phone, I have four icons and I sort of actively have to pursue the applications that I want to uh, seek out. So I'm not just sort of when I'm starting to become bored, pick up my phone and, and, you know, randomly peruse through the applications, right? So 
by having that, it has allowed another barrier for me to mindlessly grab a phone and start scanning and, and being distracted by our smartphones rather than using them uh, for their sophisticated nature of which they were designed for. So now in those applications, in addition, I have uh, I've made a really a habit to really try to uh, prune random applications down, right? So every application I have uh, have thought about, sort of like uh, Marie Kondo's sort of spark joy, if you will, and I, I, I look at it and I sort of ask, like, does this application provide me a benefit? Um, and if it doesn't, then I'm going to delete it out. There's no reason to have an application just sit there and the clutter of applications tempting you to um, to, to peruse it, right? So we talk about... Um, certainly from a nutritional standpoint, like you buy your accountability at the grocery store, you buy your um, compliance at a grocery store. And why I think about this and this analogy is that if you need compliance or accountability for, you know, let's say not eating donuts for whatever, you don't want to challenge that accountability when you already have donuts in the home. No, you can actually buy that accountability by simply at the grocery store, not buying the item that you want. So I look at the applications by saying like, look, you can download accountability and you can do, you can build accountability in the app store by not downloading those apps, by not tempting yourself in the first place <laughs> or not trying to uh, be distracted in the short, in the, uh, in the first place. So that is one way that, you know, whether it's the grouping of applications or, um, you know, obviously by grouping them in one folder, that it, it there's a, just more barriers to that mind mindless knee mindless uh, perusing, uh, if you will. Right. A second thing I've done is through um, iOS 12, and maybe it was rolled out even in earlier iOS versions, is that I have set up, uh, you know, a, a quite a stringent, if you will, um, screen time. On my phone. So again, I have uh, I've I've set this up where now my iPhone essentially will um, I set those limits so that I'm trying to peruse to it right here right now live on the show is that I have set those downtime periods to happen from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. and I do that so that you know again. Uh, Later in the day, I want to spend time with our family. I want to be able to not only be accessible in the case of emergencies, telephone calls, uh, iMessage, things like that, but there's no reason to um, to jump and just randomly peruse later in the evening. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, our, our kids will fall asleep on the couch or we'll, we'll read them a book. We'll tuck them into bed and, you know, we'll have some time to unwind as parents. Certainly, I get that. But I would rather have that unwinding time be beneficial to be enriching relationships rather than being distracted uh, by browsing CNN or, you know, whatever news app of your your choice, your pick, right? So that is um, one, just another way of, of setting those hard limits, uh, configuring that downtime so that if you are an addict, right, for whatever reason, right, that you set those constraints so that you, you're you not even tempted in the first place. Um, and I do that through the downtime and through the screen time app. So if I want to bypass that, right, for some case, let's just say an emergency or some reason, you know, work calls or something, and I, I need to access a part of that downtime, right, 
I can punch in the passcode. I know the passcode. But if I'm just mindlessly, you know, thumbing through my phone and, and trying to a- access a, an application that is um, permissioned away because, you know, the the downtime that I established on my iPhone, then what ends up happening is that that, you know, that prompt to say, hey, enter your passcode, that's a good reminder for yourself to say, oh, you know, actually, I'm just, I'm just you know, I don't know where my mind state was. I was just happening to be bored. Um, but so again, it, it sort of looks you in the eye and says, hey, do you really need to access this random website? Do you really need to use Safari? Do you really need to use this application? And what I have found over the case of setting up these hard constraints is that almost, I don't, I, I don't even want to say nine times out of 10. I'd, I'd almost say like 95%, right? Like 98% of the time, I look at this thing and I say, no, no, I, I actually, I don't need to use this application. I'm just uh, being bored. And rather than just being bored, right, how can I use that boredom? How can I use that um, period of time for either productive reasonings or leisure and actually relaxing or engaging in conversation with people, um, things like that. So that is one thing that has been hugely beneficial through the configuration of that screen time via the iOS. And I'm sure there's some Android uh, possibilities or similarities on the Android device. I'm not as... um, um, not as well-versed in the sort of Android community or applications or operating system as I am probably iOS, right? But the other thing that has been really beneficial, and um, I did this a long time ago. I think it was uh, uh, maybe in 2014 or 2015 is that I just, I, I, I literally quit Facebook for almost 100 days. Um, didn't log in, didn't check it. Uh, there was an application, <laughs> ironically, right? And a whole show that's, you know, divulged around um, or centered around deleting applications. There was an application or a web app, if you will, that was like Facebook 99 day challenge or something. And, and, uh, it was asking you to try to break the, uh, social media addiction and quit Facebook or don't log in for 99 days. I did a hundred and you know, that was, that was a long time ago. And so what I have done just recently is I've, I've literally deleted every social media application off my phone, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I've, I've long not had Facebook on my phone, but, uh, Twitter, um, I'm not, I'm not active on Snapchat. So, uh, I I didn't have that on my phone, but anything that is sort of, uh, has an addictive quality to it, boom, gone, deleted off my phone. Don't need it on there. There's no reason for it. So my, uh, trying to think the best way of paraphrasing this or um, articulating this is that my rationale is that I can access those applications if I want to from a desktop computer, but I'm not going to have it accessible 24 seven, 365 days at any particular moment of the day, uh, on my phone. And that is a hard stop that I've made. And, and, uh, being pretty recent into it, it has, has provided me a lot of additional time through my day, right? Where I would, you know, I'm on a commute, you know, I'm traveling in or out or, you know, on a bus or moving, whatever it might be. And let me just log in and check uh, what's going on in the feed. So 
rather than doing that, now I can actually commit myself to, hey, let me listen to this audiobook or let me read this research paper or let me reach out to this particular person and, and stoke up a conversation with them. And it has, it has been very enriching and something that I have, uh, I've got a lot of benefit out of simply in the short time of, of using it. But I've also recognized is how much of those applications sort of uh, creep into our day, right? So now I'm, I'm looking, I'm like, man, I got a lot of additional time or, or whatever. And I think one of, the, the, one of those books referenced in the beginning of this show talked about that, um, you know, a majority of people will spend anywhere to four hours of screen time on average a day, right? And that is between your, your laptop, your computer, but most prevalently your smartphone. And when you look at that and you add up all of those hours throughout a day, they add up to, I think, over a course of a lifespan, 11 years of time in front of a screen. And that's ridiculous. I, I know our longevity is continuing to uh, increase in our lifespan, but 11 years to be in front of a computer, 11 years to be in, in front of a, a phone is just seems so ludicrous to me. Uh, when, you know, I would love those 11 years to be in front of friends and family and, and, and laughing and, and have, sharing great conversations and, and being around people uh, that I love. So that is something that I am really uh, diligent in trying to change, certainly in 2019. And, and hopefully uh, I can use these resources, I can use these tools for the betterment of it uh, rather than really trying to... Um, to use them as, you know, me being the product of these companies and my attention being the product of in which that they uh, try to actively go out and seek. So, you know, I think that is a uh, another sort of uh, tactic, strategy that I've utilized over the last couple um, months, if you will. I've also, because my home screen is so simple, um, I've really tried to minimize... I'm trying to think of the best way, right? Minimum, almost like a digital minimalism. I tried to minimalize my home screen. So I've simplified my home screen. It's literally um, almost black and white, even without the grayscale, it's black and white. And again, I'm, I'm avoiding the clutter of my home screen. I don't need it to be crazy or, you know, um, over the top with uh, stimulating visuals or anything like that. I want to make my phone as boring as possible. And I'm trying to articulate it or um, architect my phone to be so. Uh, I've moved almost all of the applications, and there's not many of them, right, that I have, but I've moved uh, the ones I, I access uh, most frequently to the widgets, right, as you scroll over to the left of your um, home screens. So now, you know, I, I, I think of the, the conversations I have, like, okay, who is in my favorites? I'm going to be able to contact them immediately. What does my calendar look like? So I have my calendar popped up because I'm always constantly thinking, what's next? Do I have a meeting? Do I have a session? Do I have to, where do I have to be next? I have uh, the weather because, you know, obviously the weather here in Boulder, Colorado, beautiful, sunny Boulder, Colorado can change very rapidly. So I want to know, um, you know, what the weather looks like. So I have a weather app in there and then, um, RTD, which is our sort of Metro bus. Um, so what are the bus lines? What are they running so that I can, you know, in a very eco-friendly way, get in and out of, uh, of Boulder trying to, you know, do my part to reduce emissions and, and, um, 
keep it as beautiful as it is. So those are the, the, the widgets that I have on my phone. And it's because those are the things that I want to actively be conscientious of using. So rather than digging through apps and going through and being tempted by, you know, the Apple TV app or, you know, um, email, if that's popping up or Spotify, no, like, let me, let me access the applications or the information that I need most rapidly and more, most frequently through the widgets. And that has delivered a lot of value and have saved a lot of time. It's, you know, I'm, I'm architecting my phone to be boring, but informational. And because of that, I can utilize it as the resource, the incredible resource that it is and not the, um, addictive qualities that the phone can certainly be. I also, as a, you know, a, another random tip, I have partitioned out all of my emails to, and this is redundant, um, and I'm still searching for a better strategy. So if you are listening to the show and you have a better strategy, please ping me at Adam Ringler. And whenever I, uh, get to a desktop, I'll, I'll see that notifications and uh, I'll respond to it. But I partition all of my emails to three different email apps, Gmail, uh, the native iOS mail application and, um, a work email, uh, that I, I use Edison for as an application so that depending on where I'm at, I can access the right email. So I have a sort of a global email that I've utilized since, you know, the early two thousands that I, you know, through Gmail. So I, I like to stay current with that. And I check that periodically, but that is so spammed with subscriptions and newsletters and things like that. Um, so please continue to sign up for my newsletter. <laughs> no, but uh, that I have not taken the time to actually unsubscribe or, you know, advertisements from companies, things like that. But occasionally I get an email there. Uh, my iOS native app is through the Adam Ringler emails, which, you know, that uh, there's a number of them that I have, like my newsletter or my personal email. And then obviously my work email, right? And so, you know, if I'm on vacation, right? What do I do? Well, I'm going to avoid the work email. That's that's fine, right? I don't have push notifications. They're not popping up. They're not um, plaguing me by looking at me and saying, hey, respond to this, respond to this, respond to this. One of the research says that um, uh, most are an average. Most people respond to an email alert or notification or a ping within six seconds. So that notification gets pushed to you and immediately you respond, you load it up, you read it in six seconds. And it's distracting, especially if you're trying to do deep work, uh, to pull yourself out of that deep work environment, look at the email, you're distracted by the email, now you're impulsively having to respond to it, potentially. Maybe it's just, hey, I just wanted to relay this info. But most of the time, emails, you know, it's pulling you to do something. And, um, and because of that, you are no longer focused on what the deep work that you were doing. So now you, we can be more conscientious of, of how we use email. Do we batch it so that you're maybe checking it at, you know, 9 a.m., noon, and 3 p.m., right? Periods of time where you batch read and batch respond to those emails rather than, you know, free feeding on emails through the day where you're never allowing yourself the, the space or the attention to do the deep work that you're actually trying to do. Um, so those partitioning emails out has been certainly helpful in sort of making sure that I reclaim my attention and, and focusing my attention on the deep work that I, I do. Another strategy that you can use 
is obviously configuring your notifications. And I think we've all been conscious of that. We might know it, but you know, I am very, very selective of what gets pushed notifi- notified to me immediately. So, you know, there's a number of different things that will have push notifications on my phone. And depending on the hours, working hours, I'll have push notifications on things like Slack or, um, you know, I uh, very rarely do I ever have it configured for emails or anything. But obviously telephone calls and iMessage all have push notifications because those are the things I want to respond to immediately. But, uh, you know, I don't know if, you know, if you shoot me a, a response to the newsletter email that I need to read it immediately, right? That could probably go uh, six seconds or six minutes or six hours and potentially it could go six days, right, for me to respond back to that. And, and I do that so that I can focus on the work that I am doing and the people around me or the athletes around me, the teams around me, and not being bogged down by, um, by those emails, Another great strategy, and I, I haven't mentioned this, uh, I don't think publicly on the show, but I do this quite frequently, is that native to iOS, there is um, drive mode, right? And what this is, is that if you were to swipe up from your bottom of your screen and you see the, uh, the, the dock that comes, like a configuration dock or whatever, where you can adjust your brightness and your sound and you know Wi-Fi and Bluetooth connectivity and airplane mode, all those things, right? There is a setting, I think it, it comes enabled, called car mode. And what this is, is if you're driving, right, you can click the little drive thing and you can either manually sort of activate, toggle this feature, or you could have it so that when you jump in the car, it immediately, when it connects to Bluetooth, it immediately enables this. It toggles that on. But why I like this is that I use this um, this feature quite often because I have it so that I've changed the default notification. So when it says do not disturb, what happens is that essentially it will auto-reply. On the, on the default version, it will say, hey, I'm driving right now. Um, if it's urgent, you know, reply urgent and, uh, and it'll push notify this iOS message to the, the, the person with this message. And the idea of it is that you can essentially, you know, and rightfully so to avoid vehicular accidents through text messages and, uh, distractive driving, things like that. You can enable this when you're driving from point A to point B, you're not going to receive that text message while you're driving because your eyes should be focused on the road and not on reading texts. Although as I, you know, ride our eco-friendly buses occasionally that I see so many distracted drivers when I stare out the window, uh, you know, pleasantly being, uh, distracted myself on the bus, uh, you know, enjoying coffee and, and, and perusing or listening to uh, a podcast or an audio book or reading a research paper. And, uh, and I recognize that almost nobody is focused on driving anymore, but that's an aside that I could, uh, go down, uh, for, for many, many minutes or hours here. But what I've done with my auto reply is that it essentially says, Hey, I'm currently unplugged from technology. I'll receive your message once resuming normal technological usage hours. If it's necessary to contact me, i.e. scheduling reply with urgent and I'll push through immediately. Thanks. And what this allows for me to do is that now I can use this feature when I want to do deep work. So when I'm focused on, you know, writing or, you know, publishing something or reading research or working on programming for the X's and O's of strength and conditioning, I can click this button 
and now iOS messages won't go through my phone. It will essentially say, hey, I know you're trying to text message me. I'm not using my technology right now. I'm being active, um, actively selective with what I'm focused on so that I can probably do deep work. And, uh, and now when you text message me, unless it's urgent, unless you need to, and you have the option to reply as urgent and it'll push notify that message to me, right? And it will interrupt that deep work. But this is a way of letting the other participant know that like, hey, I'm not, I'm not accessible in real time right now. I'm working on something and I'm being selective with the technology and the push notifications that come through. And this has been a really helpful strategy of communicating to other people that your attention is, is focused on some of the deep work. So whether it is just maybe to, um, to put the show or put a bow tie on the show, whether it is utilizing grayscales to make your phone, your phone more boring, whether it is using, um, you know, app selection or folders to compile all of your apps into one centralized spot to decrease the clutter. If it's randomizing your application so that you don't mindlessly roam to the apps that you know through pattern recognition, whether it is setting those hard stops, those uh, down periods of AM, PM limits so that you can really be selective and focused on your attention, um, whether it's turning off Slack notifications or setting out of app office hours so those don't ping you, or decreasing push notifications, or uh, configuring those widgets to be the most helpful widgets so that you're not on your phone so frequently. Uh, all of these tips, I think, can be utilized. And you know, the great thing is uh, you don't need to do them all day one. You can configure them. You can play with them. You can experiment with selectively saying, hey, I use Twitter a lot. I'm going to delete Twitter for a week and see how that goes. Ooh, I got through a week. I'm going to delete it for, you know, keep it deleted for another week, right? Um, or you could adopt all of these strategies. I think they're, they're great strategies for you to curb the addiction, curb the, um, the thousand programmers and design engineers that go into creating these phones for a very productive reason, for a very holistic reason. Uh, but from a societal standpoint that we've just become so addicted to, uh, that you can shortcut, you can buy that accountability through the, uh, discipline and the constraints that you make with these devices. And so that ultimately you can enjoy life and you can enjoy the conversations. You can enjoy the people around and pour into them rather than mindlessly flicking through Instagram, looking, 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 uh, double tapping and, and swiping through our lives because our lives are so important and the people around us are so important. They deserve your full attention and they deserve for us to put our phones away. Hey guys, that's going to be it for this week's episode of the Decoding Excellence Show. And my hope is that you took some tangible, some tactic, uh, technique away from this show and you can immediately adopt it into your smartphone usage so that you can also hopefully curb the addiction of, uh, of these smart devices and to minimize some of the unintended consequences of having the hyper connectivity and uh, literally the world at your fingertips 
and uh, and really refocus that attention, refocus those efforts into the people around you, the relationships that you have, the connections that you have, and uh, and live a better, more meaningful, and less distracted life. So hopefully you learned a couple things from what I do. You don't have to take it as extreme um, as I typically do. It's a little polarizing sometimes, but uh, feel free to play around with this. And if you got some benefit from it, please reach out to me on social media. And when I uh, get around to it, I will certainly check in on that notification. And as always, there's a number of different ways that you can support the show, right? The first thing is I have a monthly newsletter that goes out. It is located at adamringler.com forward slash newsletter. And like I said in the intro, it is chocked full of great articles, research papers, um, sort of daily notes, things I'm finding fascinating and experimenting with and being a human guinea pig with to try to change my own behaviors, my own habits, but ultimately to really try to improve my life and get something a little bit more meaningful out of it. So uh, head over to adamringler.com forward slash newsletter, pop in your email, and I promise you, you'll get the welcome email and you'll start receiving those monthly updates and you won't regret it. I'm not gonna send you a bunch of spam messages or anything like that. I really think that you'll get a lot out of it and, uh, and check it out. I get questions every single time we publish either an article or the latest update to the Decoding Excellence show. And the question I often receive is, how do I support this show? Well, we have a new way that the audience and the crowd and everybody else here can support the Decoding Excellence show. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. It's actually not buying me a coffee. I know the name sounds sort of uh, confusing or misleading, if you will. But what it is, is it's a, a platform, sort of a crowdsourcing way of, uh, of donating to the show. And the idea is that you would donate a coffee, right? $5, $4 or whatever to the Decoding Excellence show. And what we do with this is we turn the proceeds directly over to supporting the hosting of the Decoding Excellence show on whether it's on Spotify or on Simplecast or iTunes and elsewhere. And it, it supports the hosting fees for our website and the Decoding Excellence uh, Decoding Excellence show. So if you want to support the show, you can buy me a coffee. You can buy seven coffees. You buy yourself a coffee. Otherwise, please head over, check it out. It is buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Ringler. I'll include it in the show notes. And as always, thank you for supporting the Decoding Excellence show.